Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Hello and welcome, friends. I'm just going to put this out there. This episode has some incredible content and some great news. And no matter what your ministry role, I'm confident there's something in our conversation for you today. We are talking church planting with Justin Moxley, who serves as the Partnership Development Executive at Stadia Church Planting. On this week's episode, Justin and I have a conversation about the state of the church today, specifically in the U.S., and we review some important stats recently released about the future of church planting. Justin shares how God used these findings to prompt their organization to make some radical, generous, kingdom-minded shifts. And we discuss why everyone is called to be engaged in church planting in some way. So now, won't you please join me in my conversation with Justin Moxley. Justin, it is so good to have you with us today. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. Thank you for having us, Jason. We're grateful to be a part of this. And grateful for your work with church leaders, man. It is excellent. I'm I'm a listener, so awesome. big fanboy right here. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, brother. Hey, listen, uh, we get to talk about one of my favorite topics today. We're going to be talking about church planting. And Justin, you are with uh, Stadia, which is a church planting organization. And uh, I love your team. You, you not only help church planners launch and sustain effective disciple-making churches, but your team really invests a lot of of energy, time, resources, a lot of thought, a lot of prayer into continuous learning and and growing and understanding of how to plant churches that are really reaching people for Jesus. And I love that that is a part of who Stadia is, that you guys are, you're allowing God to stretch you, right? And so I, I would love for us to just kind of dig in a little bit uh, for our listeners, so we have pastors, ministry leaders, church planters listening, and maybe maybe some potential church planters listening even now. And Great. Justin, I would love for us to dig in a little bit about what is kind of the, the state of, of church planting here in the U.S. Now, we know we have listeners all over the world, but let's talk about what's going on right here in the United States in terms of church planting. So so talk to us a little bit, Justin. Yeah, uh, Jason, I- I think that church planning is just about as hard as it, it has ever been in the history of the U.S. Now, I, I don't know the extent of of history in, in every, you know, every time there's difficulties, but the challenges that we face today are, I think, are accelerating uh, where, you know, church planning is no longer a sexy thing to do. And most people have already received a postcard somewhere or, you know, in most suburban locations around the United States, you know, most people have passed by a megachurch campus where they drop their kids off at a place of where there's been a church planted in their school or at their movie theater. And if it's suburban or urban or wherever it would be, there has just been a number of church plants that have been happening, but some of them aren't around anymore. And with that, you know, we also know that people have moved further and further away from God. And there's been an inoculation in some ways to faith and, and Jesus along the way. And all along, we also are in a time of where this is the greatest kind of turnover in uh, church leadership that we've faced in, our, in the generation that we're a part of, of, where there are more and more jobs that are needed in the, in the church right now, more vacancies, more people that are needed to do those things. 
there's a great transition of leadership. And all the while, we continue to need more and more people to plant new churches to reach people. Across the board, we even know that, you know, whether it be a Pine Tops report or the work from Daniel Yang or others that talk about the, the closure rate of churches is moving uh, at a much greater rate. You know, for years, the closure rate of churches was about 3,700 a year, and they're anticipating that that number will move to about 5,500. Um, all the while, there's going to be a, probably another 100 million people that will come to the U.S. in the next 70 years, either through birth or immigration. And so that just the need continues to grow and grow and grow. Yeah, that's wild, Justin. When we think about um, kind of the, those two statistics that you, you shared right there, when we think about the fact that uh, churches are going to be closing at a higher rate, so um, projected, like you said, you know, we've been around 3,700 a year, projected to 5,500 a year, and at the same time, our population is continuing to grow. And so we have a larger population and more churches that are closing, and so this, this gap, it seems— for um, churches, for those who are here a part, a part of our country, um, that gap is increasing. And what's, what's interesting, Justin, is that we, we've heard conversations and people have reported about kind of the general decline of the church in the U.S. And, you know, whether it's decline in attendance, uh, decline in participation and engagement, those types of things. But we haven't heard a whole lot about this specifically um, the increase in the closure of churches partnered with the increase in population. So can you talk to us a little bit about that gap? And are we positioned here in the U.S. to effectively bridge that gap at this point? You know, the Pine Tops Foundation is probably the the best resource that we have in giving us kind of these pictures. And, you know, statistically, you know, uh, there might be I would say backing up from that, there might be a general knowledge of where the engagement in the church continues to be on the decline, mm-hmm. on decline. Right. But the Pine Tops Foundation kind of really began to really put some numbers to that and really begin to deal with that. And in kind of in the last 15 plus years, 10 to 15 years, in that range, there has been kind of the the best known numbers that we can come up with around 4,000 churches that are started every year. And when we combine that with a closure rate, that's the best number we have of of given closures per year of 3,700. There was always this positive net gain where we weren't making great strides, but Hey, we could feel good about ourselves of saying, Hey, you know, we're, we're planting about 300 more churches than we're losing every year. And, And so we're kind of making a difference. We're moving forward. But then when we see that because of the, you know, the lifespan of most churches, because of the closure rate that's happening, because of what we see kind of in the future, Pine Tops put the number of closures at 5,500. And when you put that together with the 4,000 churches that are typically being planted, well, now we're at a, debt, a net loss that's there. Right. And, and then you put population on top of that and other things of where – their best projections were that we need to be planting about 8,100 churches per year just to keep up with population and the closure rates. Not to be moving forward or having any kind of increase in the number of people who might be participating in the life of a church or engaged in their faith or, or saying yes to Jesus along the way, 
But, but they're saying that we need to almost double what we're doing on a yearly basis just to keep up, let alone to even reach the next generations that are coming behind that. And so that's a huge number. That's, and that's been something that's really been compelling us at Stadia for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That That is huge. And, and I, I want to pause right here to kind of um, – to emphasize uh, what you just shared, because this is something again that, like you said, generally declining engagement has been something that you know has been reported on. We've we've talked about it at Outreach Magazine. We've talked about it at church leaders, um, Christianity Today. You know, lots of people are talking about this. It's been something denominations are talking about it. But this idea of um, church closures and increase in population. And so Pine Tops Foundation, and we'll, we'll have a link in the show notes um, mm. to this report because I think it's pretty fascinating. But Yeah, the great opportunity. Yeah, They've the great opportunity. this job and have been such a help that's, to yeah. so many because of that. Yeah, that's, yeah it's an unbelievable report. We'll have, have a link to, you, to that for you guys. Okay, so if we're sitting here, and this is what's so kind of sobering about whenever we get into like research and statistics, it's like because if we're sitting here and saying, well, that's what we need to do just to kind of maintain the engagement that we have currently. But if we want to increase that engagement, that means we're going to, you know, when it comes to church planting, which is still considered one of the most effective ways to reach people who are unchurched, who are not Christ followers, right, is through right, church right. planting. And if we want to increase the engagement, not just maintain what we have, increase the engagement, then we're looking at having to plant more than twice as many churches as we're currently planting each year. Yeah, and back to even what you said, something that we've found out at Stadia is of the new churches that we have the pleasure of serving, that partner with them and planting, 42% of the attendance of those churches is made of first-time believers. Wow. And so and so churches are reaching new believers that they're participating for the very first time. And maybe it was a long time de church, or maybe it's for the very first time. But, but you're right. New churches represent such an amazing tool that we have of helping people find and follow Jesus. So we, we believe in it wholeheartedly. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So I, I love that because – and that's something that we all as pastors need to be thinking about. Even those of us who are pastoring established churches, and we're not saying, hey, pastor, you know – Leave your established church and go plant a church yourself necessarily. I mean, if God's calling you right. to do that, you want to be obedient. But that's, I mean, that's right. not, that's not what we're saying. We, we need the established churches that are present. Um, but if you're pastoring an established church, you know, sincerely praying about who is God raising up either, uh, you know, within your church, among your staff, how can you be a part of either your church itself or partnering with other churches to help plant a new work, a new congregation that has the opportunity to reach new people? Do you see a lot of, I mean, specifically, uh, we'll talk stadium churches because that's who you, how, who you work with, who you represent. Yeah. Uh, do you see a lot of, uh, of the stadia churches that have planted, are they continuing to um, multiply themselves and plant daughter churches, and, and and what does that look like from from your experiences with the churches you're working with? Yes, what, one of the things that we do, the churches that we get a chance to serve, we ask them from the very beginning to commit to lay aside resources financially to be able to help the next generation of church, of where that they're from the very beginning, beginning to invest in that next generation, mm. and whether it be through a resident that they're bringing on staff that they have resources to help, or whether it's a global church plant or a domestic church plant or a buddy of theirs that's in the city or somebody that they went to seminary with or whatever it would be. 
we say to them, hey, from the jump, let's make sure we're a part of multiplying the kingdom and putting our money where our mouth is. You know, the old uh, the, the verse that we all quote about, you know, where our, our heart is there, our treasure will be also. That's wrong. It's actually the opposite of that. The scripture says where our treasure is, there our heart will be. Mm. And that's true of my personal finances, but that's also true of my church finances right. and the churches that we're a part of. And by by being a part of that from the very beginning, we're seeing more and more people invest in not just their own church and their own existence, but also the next generation. Because it's going to take it's going to take all of us. I mean, right? Little story here. You know, I live in Kansas City, a city of about two million people, metro population, and, and Dave Olson's numbers from back, gosh, now almost uh, fifteen plus years ago. When he began to do his best to synthesize, okay, how many people are really going to church? His best guess for my city was that on any given Saturday, 80% of the population was not engaged with the church. Well, you know, if we fast forward that with regular attendance, you know, rates and, you know, people don't go as frequently. Okay, okay let's, let's pull that maybe down a little bit. Let's call it, say, like 1.6 million people in my town. You know, and we're not the... We're not the buckle of the Bible Belt, but we're still – we're pretty close to it right, right here. Right. We're in the Midwest. And so 1.6 million of my neighbors aren't a part of any church. And and one day I was talking to a pastor here, and he was like, I, I don't even know if I really believe in church planning. You know, we've got enough churches. You know, there's a church on every corner. And, you know, my standard joke is, no, there's a bank on every corner. There's not a church on every corner. And he was like, ha, ha, ha. And I said, I said seriously, I said, I'm going to pray that your church – grows to reach over 100,000 people. I said, I, I'm going to commit to doing that because I believe in your doctrine. I believe in, in your integrity. I believe in you as a leader. I believe in what your church is trying to do. It's not perfect, but you're going to, you're going to try to reach people. And I said, and then I kind of you know, said this in a quiet voice as I leaned over kind of the table at Starbucks. And I said, because then in Kansas City, we'll only need to reach 1.5 million people. <laughs> All right. And he kind of chuckled like that. And I chuckled. And I said, man, if somebody moved in next door to your church, there's still so many people so far from Jesus that we could put one next door to them and next door to them and mm. next door. And it wouldn't matter because, man, I've got so many of my friends that don't know Jesus. And we need so many more churches to share the love of Christ with them and the next generations and the next generations. And so, yeah, we need them, man. That's so good, Justin. And, and what I love about that is because I think – that sometimes in the church we tend to feel differently than what you've just described, right? So we've, we feel like there are only so many people out there and it's almost like a competitive and rather than us all being on the same team, um, mm. you know what I mean, as, as the capital C church, yeah. you know, it becomes competitive between churches. And so I, I even remember early on in my ministry when I was a staff pastor, you know, on staff at a church, I remember our lead pastor you know, was had reservations because he was being challenged um, to plant a church, and he's like, "What do you mean, go plant a church? I'm trying to, I'm trying to grow the church that I've got." You know, it was that kind of mentality, like, "Hey, I, I can't go." What would you say whenever we take into consideration kind of some of those conversations when we think about the number of people who uh, here in the U.S. Um, do not have a relationship with Jesus. When we take into account the statistics that come out through uh, the Pine Top Report about uh, th this need and this ever widening gap, specifically speaking to pastors of 
established churches right now, what encouragement would you give them? What direction or guidance would you give them from, from you know, your experiences kind of on the pioneering front of church planting uh, to, re- to really help them understand and how they might be able to share with their leadership, share with their congregation, and kind of cast some of this vision as to this great need that we're facing now in the U.S.? I grew up in a rural area of our country, and uh, the church that kind of is the historical church of our family uh, started in 1903, and they had this little board that was this this wooden board, and it said Registry of Attendance and Offerings on it. And every week they would they would mark their their attendance, their offerings, attendance today, offering today, a year ago, last week, and they would put it up there. And it was in this rural area of America. And, you know, it would sometimes get as high as maybe 100 in certain, you know, years and other years, it would be in the 40s. And, you know, as rural churches sometimes do, they decline because of population growth or whatever. But every year I can remember looking at that board, even as a kid, and seeing that as long as the numbers were up there, weren't too far away from each other. And if, if there were 50 last year and there are 47 this year, and we could kind of, you know, say, well, this person moved away or this person moved away, we felt okay. Or, or if it was going up, we also would feel okay. Hey, there's a new family that's come or them or whoever it would be. And as I look at that and I think about that, unfortunately, we've been keeping the wrong score on the wall oftentimes. Mm. And where we need to be thinking about is what about the people that aren't here that don't know Jesus? And so whether it be a county, a town, or a city, and for me again in in Kansas City, shouldn't the number be 1.6 million of God's children that maybe aren't yet in a relationship with him? And shouldn't that be the number that we're saying, let's move heaven and earth and do everything we can to see that number go down. And let's figure out every way we can to help everybody. And in, in thinking about it, maybe in that way, it begins to shift maybe our mindsets and we begin to think of the people that we pass by as not the competition of the enemy, but Man, there are co-laborers, there are brothers, there are right. sisters, there are there are teammates, and and man, we need more of those teammates, and we got to find more people to join in this 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 journey and this this battle, as Scripture tells us, because we need more people that are caring about their neighbors and loving their neighbors, and working with them along the difficulties of life, and more places that are developing those things, those those people called you know followers of Jesus, those disciples. And so we want to do everything we can to do that. And I think that's a simple, you know, truism, but it's really true. You know, we've often been thinking about the wrong numbers. And uh, I, I think that that then pushes us to a spot of where we say, we need more, we need more people to join on this journey with us. We need more people to be a part of this. And and for me, the last thing, and I share this almost selfishly sometimes, and I'm embarrassed to say it, but also we need new churches to reach the next generations. Mm. Because more than likely, my kids are not going to be a part of the church 
that they grew up in that I'm a part of and that I've been a part of for a long time. And, and maybe they will. And, and, you know, it might adapt and change over the years. But typically, there are new expressions of the church that constantly need to be telling the true same gospel story just in a way that they can understand and that they can grasp and get a hold on. And so I think we need churches not just to reach where we are and the people, but of the next generations and my grandkids and their grandkids generations to come too. And so sometimes I'm embarrassed to say that, but it's true. I I, want to see my family continually be reached. And one day they might be in a city that's far off and maybe a new church could reach them. Right. If they've stepped away from faith along the way. Yeah, that's good, Justin. Yeah. What one of the things that, that, that you, you shared in that was that we need to be looking and encouraging people to you know, to join in the movement, you know, to, to continue to to help raise up people who will be planting these churches or, you know, being part of core teams or volunteering, you know, helping these new fresh expressions, these new churches as, as they um, launch and as they seek to reach people in, in these communities. What are some effective ways that um, you have seen churches in raising up some of these leaders or even I'm just thinking of a pastor who's listening now who's like, man, those those statistics, you know, their, their heart's being stirred by that. They say, I want to be a part, but they really don't know. You know, they're, they're focused on week in, week out, their local church and have a heart for the kingdom. But they're like, yes, I want to help raise up someone to to plant another another congregation or what. What are some practical things that a pastor can begin doing today to help this not just be a conversation that we listen to or that we talk about, but actually take some action and, and kind of move forward in this. You know, it's the simplicity of asking somebody to come along the journey with them as they lead and as they disciple and as they care for people and as they preach and teach and helping them all along that journey, just walk beside them and, and to get a sense and an understanding of, of what this could look like for them. I think it's the ICNU conversation of, of being able to see with maybe God's eyes what he's up to and the gifts and skills and abilities he's put into their life and how they can be used in the kingdom. I think it's, you know, maybe residencies or, you know, some kind of internships along the way. But it's constantly looking for the opportunity to say, how can I bring somebody else along? I mean, and that's the essence of scripture, right, man? We're like supposed to, you know, to train others so that they might train others and they might do that as well. I, I think that that's all a part of it. I, and there are, you know, there are other things that are, you know, maybe the next level beyond that. There are opportunities of, you know, discovery for people to discern if they should plant a church. We, we provide a discovery process that helps hundreds of people a year begin to walk through and self-discover as well as help other people beginning to ask them questions about, hey, has God wired in you the the attributes and the calling and the readiness to maybe start a new congregation of faith? And uh, there are things like church planning assessment centers that walk through over a three or four day period of time and, and do all they can to, through a multi-lensed approach, be able to help people discern, okay, God, have you really wired me up to do this? Because there's a difference between being burdened 
and really being called and equipped and prepared by God to do this. And I say this all the time, you know, church planners don't get to stand in front of the line of heaven. You know, we're all, you know, servants of the King, but we're just trying to identify what is the task that God has called you to do. And if that's planting a church, then how can we help you do that? And if it's not, then champion it. I, I tell people all the time, I think everybody should be a part of church planning. Every one of us. The question is, what role should we play? Yeah. Should we maybe lead in that? Should we maybe be a part of a team, either as a volunteer or as a staff member? Or, or should we champion it? Should we cheerlead? Should we invest in it? Should we do that? I, I think we all can play a part, but we just need to discover what that is. And oftentimes that starts with somebody saying, hey, follow me around. Let's talk about what God's up to with you. Let's look at our city. Let's start praying for our neighbors. What might God be asking of you to reach them? That's good, Justin. Stadia, uh, the organization that you're a part of, you guys have been planting churches for for a long time, helping church planters. And you guys have, have made like a radical shift in how you are approaching um, supporting church planters. And I, I want to give you an opportunity to kind of share a little bit because in, in talking with you and other other people from the team, you know, God has God really used a lot of what we've been discussing today. A lot of you know th- this report, uh, the great opportunity that came out from Pine Top Foundation, and a lot of these statistics and a lot of this research, God kind of used that to to kind of prompt Stadia um, to make some some pretty significant um, changes. So let me let you share a little bit about kind of that journey first and and how how God has been speaking into your leadership and the shift that you've made and then let's move into how someone who's who right now might might feel stirred to to plant a church you know what some next steps for them might be so let's start with tell me a little bit about the God story behind what has made this kind of big shift in in stadia yeah, Stadia has been around for a number of years as a as a ministry that helps support church planters all the way through. And, and we're very focused on helping them with the how of church planting. We believe that there are great people that are helping prepare people with the theological frameworks and the philosophy and the uniqueness of what God is asking them to do. But we realized a long time ago that really, oftentimes, the struggle becomes how do I get from dream to reality? This thing that God's put inside of me, how do I get that off the ground? And, and how do we do that? And so over the years, we've had this, man, the privilege of walking with hundreds of church planters along the journey to, to help that God dream inside of them grow up. And, and with that, we've been fortunate where over 90% of the churches that we've helped and served, you know, we're still actively involved in their mission by year five. And and you know, there's typically kind of across you know all denominations and groups. It's about 60% by year three that those churches are actively involved in their mission. And I tell people all the time, it's not because we're the smartest people in any room. It's just that we've been smart enough to write down all the dumb things that the generations of church planners <laughs> before them have done, and we just keep trying to pass that forward and say, hey, here, learn from this. You know, Proverbs calls that wisdom. You know, and we just want to keep doing that. And, we, we found out even through some internal discussions, you know, and internal audits that, you know, right now the churches we've had a chance to serve are typically about 67% larger than normative church plants at year four. even. Wow. And again, 
we got to this spot in, in July of where we were really doing some, some really hard evaluative work after reading things like the Pine Tops numbers or listening to Daniel Yang talk about the percentages of, of churches and where we are and the gap that's there. And, and then yet for us realizing, hey, that we feel like that there's some things that we're doing that's well, but we really began to ask that, that hard question of, are we making a difference? And are we, to use the old illustration, just moving chairs around on the deck of the Titanic? When we start thinking about 4,000 churches, and that Stadia was a part of helping see 4,000 churches planted across the U.S., but but to even just keep up, we should be doubling that. That's when our leadership and the stakeholders that are part of us and the church planners that we've worked with and all of us just have had this angst of saying, this is not going to do it. And we can't just sit by watching this happen. And so one of the th- factors that we determined that was a barrier to that was the financial model in which most of the time we were asking church planters or even other denominations who were asking us to help and serve their church planters or whatever it would be, that the financial models of church planting and, and ours, I'll just speak for ours, was prohibiting sometimes we think the opportunity of working together with other denominations, groups, networks, as well as it kept church planners from being able to invest in more church planting as they went. You know, the typical way in which our model was built is like others of where we would ask, hey, as we invest in you with, you know, the services that we provide for you, like fundraising intensives and assessments and trainings and project management and bookkeeping services and leadership development for women in church planting and post-launch care and, and coaching and all of those things. As we've done that for you, would you do that for the next church plant and providing the resources to be able to underwrite that? Well, there was this little piece of a leadership network article on latest multi-site trends. Uh, Warren Bird and Dave Travis did this, and they, they found this one little piece that says that Churches that are under the age of 10 are 2.3 times more likely to plant a campus or a church than churches that are over 10 years old. So just like new Christians reach new Christians, new churches plant new churches. Mm -hmm. And with that, our model was built upon asking those new churches to invest in that forward. We We started thinking about, well, what if we could free up more resources for them to be able to invest. If they're the ones that are helping plant at a greater rate, well then what if we could do that? And and what if we could work together with other denominations and network groups? And rather than everybody trying to reinvent the wheel and do all of the same things and us being a siloed situation, what if we were able to posture ourselves and say, hey, whatever we have in our hands, you can have for free, no strings attached, no nothing. Would that allow them to again take some of the resources that they were allocating to certain things that we could already do for them. And could they take that and help plant more churches and provide financial grants to those churches? And so our leadership said, it's time to do something that something has to be done. If that 4,000 number is ever going to move. And so we determined after a lot of prayer and fasting and seeking God and others and wise counsel, 
we were going to give away all of the things that we do for church planters for no cost or investment back, no strings attached to church planters, to denominations, to networks, to church planting churches with the hopes of being able to help catalyze us planting more and more churches and better churches all along the way. So that's what we did. And there were some moments of where it's like, okay, Lord, we're going to do this because we feel like this is what you're asking us to do. And there were moments of where it's like, okay, well, this is, you know, this is financially going to affect us. And will we be able to do that very quickly? You know, when you determine that, Hey, we've helped plant, you know, these numbers and numbers of churches and we're going to give it away for free. All these other people that were given to stadia in the past, you know, out of a commitment, they would be going, Hey, what's the deal? You know, you're going to do this. And so we went to them proactively and we said, Hey, we feel like God's asking us to do this. This in essence releases you from any commitment to stadia. Wow. We're going to give it away. And we want you guys to be the first to know. And 93% of the churches that we had helped start, that we're still giving to Stadia, 93% of them said, if you're going to do this, we're in. And we might even be in for more. Wow. And it's that old adage, man. It's true. Generosity, we feel like it gets generosity. And, man, we might preach it from the pulpits. I know I have in the yep. past. You know, yeah. you know, you tell people, hey, you can trust Jesus with your finances. You can trust him. And the more generous that you are, you can't outgive God. We've said those right, things. Right. I've said those things. You've said those things. Yeah. You know? And you're in a position of we are working for an organization and you're saying, Lord, you want us to do what? <laughs> okay, I guess we're going to do it. And, I, man, we've been blown away just because – we feel like the Lord has been going ahead of us on this journey. And it's it's not about stadium. The journey is about his kingdom. And right. if he's calling us to serve in this way, man, then we feel like that that gives us the opportunity to just do all we can to help as many folks. And so, you know, that's kind of some of the role that I play on our team of where I was asked to begin to serve um, other denominations and networks and develop partnerships and we, have, we went public 18 days ago. We're recording this on January 18th. Right. We went public 18 days ago. We talked to some other folks prior to that but that we had been connected with, but we're already in conversation with 32 different denominations, networks, and groups wow. to begin to say, hey, can we work together on this? And our answer is yes. That's We'd awesome. Love to. We'd love to give you whatever we got, no strings attached, in the hopes that you – that can plant more and more and better and better churches along the way. And so that's what we've done. And that's huge, brother. Dude, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy fun too, because it's like, you know, we're in it together. Yep. It puts us back in that posture of, man, we succeed when, when you succeed and the kingdom wins when more uh, reformed churches of America are planted or covenant churches are planted or converged chances are churches right. are planted or Antioch churches are planted or, or new thing churches are planted, whatever it would be, we win. The kingdom wins because of that. And so we're stoked out of our gourds, man. And we're yeah. so happy. It's been so much fun. Super awesome. Super exciting. Real quickly, if someone is listening in today and they, again, they feel like maybe God's calling them to plant a church 
um, or maybe it's a pastor of established church who they've been praying about how can we be a part of planting another church or how can we, you know, kind of support someone planting in a, another area of their town or maybe another city or whomever, or, you know, whatever it might be. What would be kind of like the first step? You know, how could, how do they get in touch with you guys? What would be the first step? And, you know, I know moving into like an assessment of sorts, but what does that look like? Yeah, stadiachurchplanting.org. And on that website, there's kind of there's kind of two questions. Hey, are you do you think are you thinking about planting a church? We'll click on that button, and it begins the conversation and the journey to help people discern. Okay, God, is this something you're up to with me? And and if so, then okay, what are you asking for me? And we help walk people through that. Stadiachurchplanting.org. And then if it's a church, an existing church that wants to be a part of it, there's another spot where you can hit on that and say, hey, I want to begin a conversation of somebody helping me. And uh, we might want to multiply as a church just ourselves, you know, or we want to do it, but we want to help be a part of something within our city. It's, it's amazing the friends that we've got all over the U.S. that we can maybe connect them to and networks or groups or people that are planting churches in their region of the country, or it's hey, I've got somebody on staff that needs to go out and plant. We want to help them plant. We, we would love to help them. And it all kind of begins in just that conversation. of we, we just ask that question over and over again. How can we help you? How can we help you plant a church? And what's God asking to do with that? Let's, let's go. That's awesome, brother. That's awesome. Yeah. So we'll have links there um, as well in the show notes so people can connect. Um, so is that the best way to, to connect with Stadia, would you say, uh, through the website? Yeah, through the website, or you can follow us on each social um, okay. as well. Those are always places of where we've got stuff that's going on. I know that we'll be like at the Exponential Conference that's coming up. We we do a huge party, and even people can even come and be a part of it. We, we even help provide some hotel rooms and different things that are available. Those are on our website. There's free, or not free, but cheaper tickets. To, I think the cheapest you can get for Exponential that we have a way to help connect people to. and. And so we can connect there. We can have a conversation there. We're, you know, all over the place with our teammates. But, uh, yeah, we would love to do whatever we can to help see that 4,000 number change. Awesome. And uh, what can we do about that? We want to help people. No strings attached. We're in. We I love it. We got I love it, brother. I'm so excited. Um, it's been it's so cool to see God at work in the midst of this, and um, so excited and just uh, love the generosity that you and your team have, and and just um, just your heart for for like you said, changing that number, increasing those number of churches that are planted, which will in turn allow us to reach more people, make more disciples, which is what the, the Great Commission is. I mean, that's what yeah. Jesus asked us to do. So how can yeah. we do it? How can we do it? I love it. I love it, brother. And God's, and God's been working upstream in all of this. And there have been you know, people and groups that have been saying, hey, can we work together? And, and we feel God's generosity. And we feel like that he just has been paving the way. And uh, we're just a part of the journey with him. And we're, uh, we're a part of the, the kingdom, man. And we just want to play our part and serve as best we can. Awesome. I love it, brother. Well, thank you so much, Justin, for, for hanging out with us and being here. This conversation has been very, very encouraging. And and uh, I, I'm sure that those listening in, and, and my prayer and my hope is for all all the ministry leaders, all the pastors who are listening in, would, would be praying that prayer that, that you kind of even mentioned, Justin, like um, everyone is is called to be involved in church planning in some way. What what Lord is my role? 
and what does that look like? And then, and then not just pray that prayer, but then be courageously obedient and take those next steps. So thank you so much again, Justin, for being with us, for challenging us, for inspiring us. I'm excited to see uh, how God continues to breathe upon the movement uh, of church planning here in the U.S. And uh, super excited. Thank you, brother. Jason, thank you for the opportunity to share. Thank you for what Church Leaders is doing. It's sharing so much across the board for the kingdom, for leaders, church leaders, pastors. Man, we're grateful for what you're doing as well, too. We feel like that you guys are co-laborers in this, and you guys play a great part in uh, really helping equip the kingdom. So, amen. Seriously, thank you guys for what you're doing. We need your help all along the way. And so Stadia is grateful for you guys. Thanks, man. Awesome. Well, we're in, brother. We're in. Thank right you on. again. God bless right you, my friend. God bless you. Thanks. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance. And if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the FaithPlay app. It's available for both Apple and Android. And so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day, encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.